11.30, time for us to begin our midday show here on KRVN. Scott in here with you. Thank you so much for joining us here on a sunny Thursday morning. It's going to be another nice day. We have a nice run of those. We could see a few thunderstorms work their way through. We'll be talking to Paul coming up in about 15 minutes. He'll give us the lowdown on everything that's happening there for you. As we begin to preview our midday program, uh, we've got Jason Jorgensen, Susan Littlefield, Bob Brogan all in here to get us the latest information on everything going on in this ever-changing world. And we'll begin things with Susan. Good morning to you, Susan. Hey, thanks. Well, the much-anticipated uh, NFL Susan. draft takes place tonight. <laughs> we'll get you in a second. Hang on. Apologize. Let's try that again. Here is Susan technology not my friend today well thanks scott we're going to kick it all off here at 1219 with alex it's the angler entrepreneurship program it's built on six pillars so today we are going to learn from director tom field as he talks about the aspire pillar then at 1245, we'll hear from Alex as she speaks with the Burwell FFA advisor, Phil Simpson. He recently received the 2020 Gary Sheriff Helping Hand Award from the Nebraska FFA Foundation. He shares his experience as an FFA advisor. And we'll continue the FFA focus at 117 with Bryce as he talks with Stacey Agnew. The FFA local chapter grant programs. That's coming up on the midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. Lots of information always coming there as we heard uh, jason talk about just a, a moment ago uh, the nfl draft coming up tonight that's a big deal because it's the first time we can really you know have anything that's much uh, to do with sports that's going on right now of course it'll all be done in a lot of different ways and it'll be interesting a lot of people are kind of angling for that first pick that the cincinnati Bengals have but i think the Bengals are pretty okay with uh, sticking with what they've got and here's jason with more Hey, thanks. Well, the much-anticipated NFL Draft takes place tonight. Of course, it'll be a little different. It'll be an all-virtual event. Hopefully, everything works out on the technical side of things. We will preview that. The Chiefs hope to make the most of the five draft picks that they have. Of course, after winning the Super Bowl, they are slated to draft the last in the first round. There's been some talk that they may look to trade that pick to get a few more picks. And some interesting news made in college basketball yesterday looking forward. Hopefully there will be a season. If there is, Creighton will take on Kansas in the 2020 Big East Big 12 battle. Of course, these two teams each had fabulous seasons this past spring, and they haven't met in the sport since 1974. So all that and much more is coming up in sports. All right. Thanks a lot, Jason. Look forward to that. Now we turn it over to Bob Brogan in stocks. Uh, really, after a bad jobs report and some of that stuff that was expected, uh, having a pretty good day, Bob. Right, Scott. They're uh, pushing higher and trading on Wall Street, even though the government said 4.4 million more workers filed for unemployment benefits last week. The S&P was up 1.3% in the early going, following similar gains in European and Asian markets. New home sales plunged 15.4% in March as coronavirus-related shutdowns began to rattle the housing market. And uh, a closely watched survey indicates that Europe's economies are headed for unprecedented recessions. More on these uh, coming up later. All right, that's all coming up on Midday.
Rely on KRVN for up-to-date information on COVID-19. From closings, the latest governor's press conference, and DHHS virus reports, we'll bring you the facts and latest news on the coronavirus. Visit our coronavirus information tab at krvn.com for up-to-the-minute local and state news, and tune in every weeknight at 5 p.m. for a special KRVN this evening. Depend on KRVN to keep you informed on COVID-19. COVID-19 coverage is brought to you by COZAD Community Health. 11.44, time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Brought to you, as always, by Holdridge Irrigation. Paul Perkins in here and uh, a couple, boy, the nut days just keep rolling. That's some good <laughs> ones, that's for sure. Exactly. Uh, some ideal weather continues mm. for uh, getting some field work done and a lot of people's beginning to plant across the area. But we may see a little bit of a road bump with some scattered rain moving into the region for this afternoon through tonight. But this doesn't look to be a major event well, whatsoever. And, it, and, and it's interesting. You mentioned that uh, since it's coming from the northwest, there's not going to be as much w- moisture involved in this. Exactly. Unable to tap into much in the way of any Gulf moisture since right. it, a lot of it gets wrung out over the mountains of that moisture sure. when it does come into our area. And it is kicking up a little bit of light rain in the northern Nebraska panhandle, but not the too much expected with this system right now we do have some of those scattered rains probably maybe just some sprinkles from alliance up to gordon in the eastern part of the nebraska panhandle otherwise temperatures beginning to cool into the upper 50s to low 60s in much of the nebraska panhandle out ahead of this system we are still seeing some temperatures in the mid to upper 60s from ogallala to north Platte down into southwest nebraska northwest kansas and northeast colorado but many of our temperatures right now in the low and mid-70s as you head into central and east areas of Nebraska and Kansas. Our temperatures today ahead of this system look to warm to about 10 degrees warmer than usual. But we will see increasing cloud cover as the afternoon goes on as this low pressure and cold front continue to track southeast out of the northern Rockies. Scattered rain and thunderstorms will be possible with this area of low pressure and cold front moving through this afternoon through tonight. Since the system is coming out of the northwest, as we mentioned, any of the rain totals expected to be on the light side and also probably very scattered. A few showers may linger into tomorrow, just some slight chances. Temperatures behind that front look to be seasonal for tomorrow with some breezy northwest winds. Finally, return to normal weather for a change. High pressure pushing in from the west tomorrow, increasing our amounts of sunshine as the day goes on. This weekend looks to be a pleasant one with the beginning of another warming trend. Another disturbance could trigger a few showers on Saturday. Next week, once again, warmer than normal and mainly dry with the building ridge of high pressure to our west. In our long-term forecast, warmer than normal temperatures will continue for Nebraska, Kansas, and the western two-thirds of the west for Tuesday through the first six days of next month. The weather will continue to cooperate for field work with mainly dry weather and below normal precipitation Tuesday through the 6th of May for Nebraska and Kansas. Our soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning from west central to much of eastern Nebraska into much of western and central Kansas in the mid to upper 40s. Soil temperatures of 50 or higher were found in extreme southeast Nebraska into eastern and southern Kansas. Soil temperatures as low as the low 40s for the Panhandle and north central Nebraska. Increasing dryness is showing up in the latest regional drought monitor. Nebraska decreased 5 percentage points to 95% drought-free. It's currently abnormally dry along the Kansas border from Trenton to Hebron, also near Sydney in the Panhandle. Kansas decreased 
13 percentage points to 77% drought-free. Northern areas now abnormally dry from Atwood to Belleville and points to the south from Wankini to Lincoln. Much of southwest Kansas remains in moderate to severe drought. Weather factors affecting the markets include varying rain chances in the Midwest and more scattered rain in the Black Sea region. The eastern Midwest can see We'll expect to see more field work and planning delays the next seven days from moderate to heavy rain. Better chances for getting some work done in the field will be found in the western Midwest with just some light to moderate rain in the northern plains near to above normal temperatures and only scattered rain the next seven days should allow field work to progress. The southern plains will mainly see some light rain over the next seven days. More rain, though, is needed with the wheat moving into the reproductive phases. The extent of damage from freezing temperatures the past couple of weeks still to be determined. In the Black Sea region, central Russia, the only area that expects moderate rain over the next week, other Ukraine and Russian areas will be mainly dry. Winter wheat in that region continues to need moisture as it moves through the development phases earlier than usual. You know, we've we've been on a pretty nice run here of dry weather, haven't we? I mean, it's been a little while, probably since the snowstorm, right? Exactly. Yeah, last th- uh, last Thursday when right. we got about you know three to six inches of snow, but usually that snow doesn't pack a whole lot of moisture no. with it. That probably may be melted down to about thirty hundredths to fifty hundredths of moisture. A lot of people, it's starting to get dry. We're not getting those April showers just yet. Mm-hmm. But the long-term outlook did indicate, you know, yesterday we talked about May is expecting abnorm- above normal precipitation and mainly near normal precip- and mainly near normal temperatures. So it doesn't look like this dry and warm spell that we're going through right now is going to be too much of a problem. Actually, probably cooperative to get the field work done. Probably. That's <laughs> very true. Yeah, you're right. But, you know, it's interesting. I think I've probably turned my sprinkler on more uh, in this last month than I did most of last year. You know, it's really, it's interesting how that works. Well, all right. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. The Angler Entrepreneurship Journey, celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. It is not about, you have to have the idea today. The deal is is to cultivate your mind so that when the idea comes, boom, you're ready to go. You don't hesitate and you start. Thanks so much for joining. For the next few weeks, we're going to explore the six pillars of the Angler program. Aspire, grit, build, courage, passion, and partner. Today, we're focusing on Aspire, and Tom Field is the director of the Angler program, and he shares why Aspire was chosen as a pillar. Well, early on when we were when we were building the culture of this program, the first thing we that came to our mind was it's got to be about dream, right? The American dream, and we, and we were all caught up in. And then we started thinking about dreaming, and we started playing that word off of people. And sometimes dreams are just sort of fleeting little things that float through our head. Like, for example, and if anybody knows me, they know that this is a crazy dream. Once upon a time, I thought I was going to be good enough to play in the NBA. I'm not good enough to play on a good noon ball team. Um, so that was a dream that was just fleeting. It was silly. Aspire, though, is the real deal. Aspire is I'm going to take my heart, my muscle, my time, my sweat, and I'm going to pour it into this vision I have. So Aspire is a dream backed by hard work, commitment, and toughness. Tom shared some examples of Aspire within the Angler program. 
One of the things that I would encourage people to really do at this time in our history is to reach back and really connect with those emigrant people in our lives. Those folks back two, three, four, maybe one generation even, who aspired for a better life and took action to get it. Um, and, and I think that helps us begin to get at the heart of Aspire. But from our program and, and from so many conversations we've had, we find that people who think to themselves, what I really want is I want the chance to have control of my own script, of my own story. And the story I want to write is business ownership, starting a great side gig, whatever it might be. And it doesn't mean you have to have the perfect idea. The founder of Tractor Matt, Tom Caton, told me the other day, he said, look, Tractor Matt was the way I got started. It got me going in the world of entrepreneurship. And now he's moving on to other ventures because Tractor Matt gave him his start. His aspiration was, I want to work for myself. I want to build something and I want to build multiple things that create value. And Tom said, you don't have to own a business to live out the Aspire pillar. He said, Aspire can be lived out in our everyday lives. Entrepreneurship is really about a mindset. It's a mindset that says, look, I see the world a little differently. Where others see problems, I see pathways. Where others see confusion, I see ways to connect the dot. Um, entrepreneurship embraces these kinds of concepts. And so it is the process of saying, how am I going to look for problems and customers, and how am I going to solve those in ways that create real value? Join us next episode as we explore the pillar of grit. You can learn more about the Angler Pillars and the program by going to angler.unl.edu. Thanks so much for joining. Until next time, I'm Alex Wachowski on the Rural Radio Network. Want to find something you can do? Tyson brings you the Love Local Business and Services Guide at krvn.com. Listed are new hours, pickup and delivery options. Also, special services and community events. Help KRVN, Cami, and The River support these local businesses, churches, and service organizations. And keep money where our hearts are. Stay safe, healthy, and love local on krvn.com. Brought to you by Tyson. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks. Well, for the first time, the NFL Draft will be a virtual event due to the pandemic. This year's event was originally set to be held in Vegas. Now, Cincinnati has the first pick. They are expected to go with LSU quarterback Joe Burrow. Ohio State defensive end Chase Young is projected to go second to the Redskins. Brett Veach used his first two drafts as general manager of the Chiefs to put the finishing touches on a roster that eventually won the franchise's first Super Bowl in 50 years. He did that all without making a single selection in the first round. Now with his third NFL draft just hours away, the always aggressive Veach is finally poised to pick on day one, but just barely. The Chiefs have just five picks in the draft, and there is some real speculation that they could trade number 32 to accumulate more picks as they aim to defend their championship. Great men's basketball will play at Kansas in the 2020 Big East Big 12 battle. That's according to numerous media reports. The Big East had an 8-2 edge over the Big 12 last year. That was the first year of the challenge. 
Creighton claimed to share the Big East regular season title for the first time in program history, finishing 24-7 overall with a 13-5 record in conference action. The Jayhawks finished 28-3 and won the Big 12 regular season title with a 17-1 record. Alan Van Kerr of Hastings St. Cecilia recently announced this season would be his last with the Hawkettes. He coached the team for 40 years before retiring after the 2015 school year, only to return a couple of years ago. If Van Curra stays retired, he'll finish third on the state's all-time win list with 886. Grand Island Central Catholic Sharon Zavala, the only coach in the top 10 who's still active, is the leader with more than 1,000 victories. Well, the Department of Nebraska Athletic Committee has canceled all area and state postseason baseball playoff tournaments this summer. All tournament host sites will remain the same for the 2021 season. Now, the committee says it would still like to hold as much of the regular season if possible if conditions in the state will allow it. And Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are staging another made-for-TV match. This time, they'll have some company. Turner Sports confirms that Woods and Mickelson will be joined by quarterbacks Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. It's being billed as the match, Champions for Charity. Turner says all donations from the fundraising of the match would benefit relief efforts for the COVID-19 pandemic. Now missing from the announcement were key details, such as when the match will be played and where, but whenever they do play it, it will be shown live on TNT. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Attention, cattlemen. Over the next three Thursdays, you're going to have the opportunity to learn more about what everybody's calling the Black Swan event. If you head to the Nebraska Cattlemen's website, that's NebraskaCattlemen.org, at the bottom of the page, you'll be able to register for the Nebraska Cattlemen webinar series. This week, we'll be talking with direct conversations with the packing industry. Sign up to join Nebraska Cattlemen President Ken Hers and myself, Susan Littlefield, for both an on-the-air and on-the-web webinar on the cattle industry. About 20,000 Nebraskans have filled out the online assessment for the state's new COVID-19 testing initiative. The responses will guide officials in deciding where in the state to bring more testing. Governor Pete Ricketts says the information will be protected. The data will be kept in an encrypted database that it will only be for state use, so none of the data will be sold to anybody or anything like that. Health officials say the state needs to be doing about 3,000 tests per day. The private companies leading the new initiative promise to reach that within five weeks. Nebraska has been doing between 500 to 1,000 tests per day for the last week. The Custer Economic Development Corporation announced a new stimulus package to help businesses in Custer County affected by COVID-19. The gift certificate program, named Four County Cash Back, is designed to immediately inject life back into those businesses, adds Executive Director of CEDC, Andrew Ambries. They receive the cash now. Where this pandemic is forcing some businesses to close or partially close, we're seeing those sales dip and that lack of cash flow makes it very hard for them, especially in this interim period during this pandemic. So the ability to generate revenue for those businesses, we hope, goes a really long way in supporting them. The gift certificates also reward consumers as they receive 50% of their purchase back via the gift card. For example, if a consumer were to purchase a $50 gift card from a supporting business, they would receive a $75 gift card. Customers can order gift cards in increments of $50 up to $200 per store. 
Gift certificates can be purchased online at www.4-county-strong.myshopify.com. Gas Buddy's head of petroleum analysis, Patrick DeHaan, weighs in on the state of gas and oil prices amid the coronavirus pandemic. You don't wake up and ever expect that gasoline demand will somehow drop 50% or even 60 or 70%. I mean, those are just, uh, you know, almost in- incomprehensible uh, to think about demand having, you know, fallen to its lowest level since the 1960s. It's just mind blowing. Dehan says pricing could go below $1.50 across the country on average. The number of Nebraska residents seeking unemployment benefits for the first time dropped again last week, but is still far higher than usual as businesses struggle with the fallout from the coronavirus. The U.S. Department of Labor says the state received 12,340 new unemployment claims during the week that ended on April 18th. The number has declined since a record-setting surge that peaked at 26,000 in early April. Nebraska has now seen about 95,000 claims over the past five weeks, well over double the number filed in a typical year. Additionally, Nebraska state health officials have reported four new COVID-19 deaths, all in the hard-hit area of Grand Island. The new cases bring the state's death total from the disease to 45 since the outbreak began. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm joined on the phone by Mr. Philip Simpson. He is the Burwell FFA advisor. Phil, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. You were recently awarded with the 2020 Gary Scharf Helping Hand Award from the Nebraska FFA Foundation. And for those who aren't quite familiar, this award recognizes a Nebraska ag teacher for helping others. And it's really outside of ag education and FFA. Um, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But first of all, can you tell us a little bit about some of the activities that you're involved with in your FFA chapter? Okay, our chapter, it's a pretty active chapter. We have about half of our school population that's involved in FFA at 7 through 12, and we have right at 70 members in our chapter. And, and uh, you know, we do a lot of things throughout the FFA organization, like range judging, livestock judging, our, our career development events, or CDEs, and livestock, or our leadership skill events, the LSEs. We do some things around the community. The Goodwill truck comes, and we help organize the Goodwill truck when it's here. Uh, we have a roadside pickup that we take take care of picking up the trash and things, and then just other things around the community, around fair time, helping at the fairgrounds. And, and we host a couple different livestock judgings during the year, and, and we try to get the national convention about every other year and, and take in Husker Harvest Day sometimes that way too. So we have good membership. We have uh, active membership, and, and uh, kids really buy into it and, and uh, like being part of FFA here for a while. And this award, as I kind of mentioned, it recognizes FFA advisors who are active really outside of their chapter and outside of ag education. Give us kind of a preview of what you get to be involved with in your community. Well, we're, I'm involved with quite a bit. I'm, uh, I've been in Burwell 11 years. We moved back here. I grew up in the community, and, and we had a chance to move back 11 years ago, my family and I, and uh, we're involved in a lot of things. We've helped. We've been kind of in charge of the youth baseball program in the community for a while and did some volunteer coaching and things with that, but we organized the the teams and all of those things when we first moved back. And we've helped organize and, and run a, a youth basketball tournament in our community over the years, That's and that's something that my my parents and my wife's parents actually started 
almost 30 years ago now, but we when we moved back, we were a part of that. And, uh, so we did those things. We were active in our church, uh, being on different advisory boards and things in, our, in my church, and uh, I just was elected as a member of our Garfield County Fair Board, and, and a big part of that is helping you know, put on our county fair, but also the Nebraska's big rodeo that we have here in Burwell. So, so that are those are some things that that I'm active in and, and take part in in the community. Let's backtrack a little bit. Tell us about how you got started in ag education and what sparked your interest to become an FFA advisor. Well, I I was in in high school here. Don Phillips was my ag teacher. He was a longtime ag teacher here in Burwell, and and uh, my mom and dad didn't know it, but I dropped out of band my my freshman year and ended up taking ag, and they didn't know it until parent teacher conferences. So, because I, I really wanted to be in ag class, and I so I, I started taking ag class as a, a freshman and uh, just enjoyed it. And I went on from from Burwell, and I graduated from Burwell High School. I went to the Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture for two years. And from there, I uh, I moved. Went on to Lincoln, the University of Nebraska, and spent some time there. When I first graduated, I worked in extension for a couple of years. I went back to grad school, and I had the opportunity to uh, to take a teaching job. And I, my first teaching job was over in Elgin, Nebraska, and I taught there for six years before I moved back to Burwell. For the 2020 graduating seniors, and really anybody who's graduated your program, um, and whether or not they go into ag, what is something that you hope they take away from your classroom experiences? You know, my classroom experiences, I, I, I tell people all the time, I said, it doesn't matter what you do in your life, you're going to have to make decisions. And, you know, I, and I wrap this around range judging contests. Um, I said, those kids, we might have a few kids that go out of here and be involved in range uh, ecology or range technician or things like that, but it, it's a fairly strong program that we have. It's a, it's a contest we take a lot of pride at here in our school. I tell those kids that this whole contest, you have to sit and you have to use critical thinking. You have to make decisions. And I said, and it doesn't matter if you're on Wall Street, if you're out in your ranch here in central Nebraska, if you're in an office in Omaha, you're going to have to use critical thinking skills and you're going to have to learn to make decisions on the go and on your feet. And I said, that's what a lot of these things that we teach in, in Ag Ed and, and these uh, great contests that we are able to, to go out and have kids take part in through FFA. Those are things that they're going to use their whole life. As we round out this conversation, is there anything else that we missed that you wanted to talk about? I just, uh, you know, I appreciate the Sharp family for, for offering this award to, to Ag teachers in our state and, uh, you know, there's been a lot of great people that have received this before I did this year, and I, I look up to them as, as educators, and and uh, you know, they're leaders in our organization as well. And and you know, it's a crazy time, but one thing about it with this crazy time that's going on, you know, guys are still out here in the field. They're we're out burning pastures around here. The brandings are still going on. Calves are still being born, and we've still got that that. I guess, grid of American agriculture people, but, you know, they're still plugging along. They're still doing what they do because, because we know how important it is to this country and helping feed the world. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. We've been joined by Mr. Philip Simpson. He's the Burwell FFA advisor as he was recently awarded with the 2020 Gary Sharp Helping Hand Award from the Nebraska FFA Foundation. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks pushed higher in morning trading on Wall Street, even though the government said 4.4 million more workers filed for unemployment benefits last week. The S&P 500 was up 1.3% in the early going, following similar gains in European and Asian markets. That was despite a deluge of more dismal economic data. Besides the weekly jobless claims report, Preliminary data on manufacturing and services in Europe and the United States came in below expectations. Investors have already braced for a severe recession due to the coronavirus pandemic, and some are looking ahead to the prospect of parts of the economy reopening as infections level off in some areas. The Labor Department says more than 4.4 million laid-off workers applied for U.S. unemployment benefits last week as job cuts escalated across an economy that remains all but shut down. Roughly 26 million people have now filed for jobless aid in the five weeks since the coronavirus outbreak began forcing millions of employers to close their doors. New home sales plunged 15.4% in March as coronavirus-related shutdowns began to rattle the housing market. The Commerce Department reports that sales of new single-family homes dropped to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 627,000 last month after sales had fallen 4.6% in February. The decline was in line with expectations, with economists forecasting further sharp declines in coming months as the country struggles with a shutdown that has thrown millions of people out of work. With today's Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. opportunities for FFA chapters and students supervised agricultural experiences. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. The Nebraska FFA Foundation is now seeking applications for the 2020 local chapter grant program. Stacy Agnew, executive director of the Nebraska FFA Foundation, joins us today. Stacy, tell us a little bit more about this program and what it sets out to do. The Nebraska FFA Foundation local chapter grant program focuses on getting dollars down to the local chapter level to support the ag classrooms across Nebraska, FFA chapters, as well as student-supervised agricultural experiences. So it's impacting, the funds are available for both the chapters, the FFA program, as well as students. So um, really excited about that program, and this is the fourth year that we've um, provided these funds. From the foundation. Tell us about some of the projects that have been funded over the past four years. Yes, yeah, so there's some great projects out there. One that comes to mind is in McCool Junction. They have an animal learning lab, and last year they requested funds to have a camera, a video camera put in, and I think right now what we're dealing with with COVID, what a blessing to be able to have a camera now in that animal learning lab where, you know, the students won't be able to see those animals. It makes it easier for um, the ag teacher to manage that. So that's that's an example. Um, another one that we've helped fund is up in Norfolk. They have a 
a tilapia business, and they also grow vegetables from the tilapia uh, that are being grown, and they donate that to uh, the local food shelter there in Norfolk. And um, so we've helped to fund those programs. Um, just a variety. What we what we have mainly put a lot of money behind is in the classrooms. We see that the technology that is available isn't always the best to help students get career ready for these high-tech jobs in ag. So plasma cutters is something that we've invested in. There's been several um, shops where we've just helped them buy new welders, welding helmets, those types of things. We It is, unfortunately, there are a lot of programs across the state where they have equipment that is maybe around World War II era, and it's just not, it's, I mean, it's just not up to par. Um, so we've seen a huge impact with some of those. And I think that's really important because we want to make sure we're preparing kids for jobs in their local communities. And if those resources aren't available in the classroom, um, that, that can be an issue. We're talking with Stacey Agnew about the 2020 local chapter grants made available from the Nebraska FFA Foundation. Now, Stacey, uh, these are grants, and so uh, they don't necessarily have to pay them back, but what's the max amount a, a chapter could apply for and also the student through their, through their supervised agricultural experience? Right, so the local chapters and the FFA programs can apply for up to $10,000. They also are required to have a one-to-one match, so they have to find local sponsors, donors, those types of the school districts can also match it. We've seen that happen a lot. And then for the local student FAE, that is $2,000 that they can, and that does not need to be matched. And so for those, we're really looking at students with entrepreneurship-based, school-based enterprises, um, as uh, school-based enterprises as well as FFA members' entrepreneurship. Stacy Agnew, Executive Director of the Nebraska FFA Foundation, joining us on the line today. Stacy, we appreciate it as always. You bet. Thanks, Bryce. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting on the Rural Radio Network. And good afternoon as we take a look at what's happening in the market trade. We're going to take a look now at the closing grain futures with John Payne, a senior marketing analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Well, kind of an interesting day in sorts because it's nice to see some green going on on the screen, John. Yeah, we did. It was, um, you know, continued corrective rally. Beans, obviously, being, I think, a little too cheap here. Um, they don't have quite the same story that, that corn does as far as the ethanol pull down. Um, but I, I just think the next two weeks, really up to next Thursday, are probably going to be a little little bit tough to get a rally out just due to the fact that the you know the amount of bushels that need to clear here with uncertain home, I think, will you know be taken out of the equation. Once that moves, once we move past the first, and we get in the weather season, and um, you know, at this point, it's it's early. I don't think there's any premium in the market yet. That's kind of the hope that folks that have here going forward that um, you know we might have some sort of corrective balance combined with a uh, you know an economy that'll reopen when you take this thing back to three seventy three eighty. You look at uh, China, it looks like they're just looking more and more to purchase. Even though we know phase one is is in place, they're still going to South America to get those grains that they need. Yeah, I think maybe part of that is, is the idea that, that South America is going to have some problems here with the COVID virus. You know, they were, they're in the, the counter seasonals that we are. So we have, uh, you know, we have our, our summer. So we're winding down flu season. They're picking up. And, and I think there's some thought here. And I've heard more than a couple of guys say that, you know, the, ex, the importers from Brazil are scared that, 
you know, they're going to shut down the ports. I think that's why China's been buying from them in the shorter term, and then they'll turn to us probably, you know, post, post you know, May 1st. I think May 1 here is a, uh, is a good spot to try to jump in and be long. I think the next two weeks, you know, just, again, temper enthusiasm with the market's green. And especially as guys get busy focusing on what's going to be going in the field versus what's leaving other countries at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're, we're in a very, very important point in history. And I think there's a lot of uh, short-term pain that can be felt. But I think over the longer run here, a lot of what we're seeing here is going to be bullish commodities. The you know, Federal Reserve is going out and basically extending credit lines to other governments worldwide. And you know, so they're kind of extending their bailout to the world outside of a few countries um and it's that that is going to create bullishness down the road so you know short term we're going through some problems that are well documented um and i think well priced in definitely have to just kind of hold on and and follow along and, and keep our minds open as we look at the markets in the coming weeks it's important to not be emotional there we go thanks so much for joining us john that again today coming to us is john Payne. john of course is with Daniel's Ag Marketing. You can learn more about that at danielsagmarketing.com. Let's look to the markets. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. And that'll wrap up today's edition of our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in podcast form, go to podcast at krvn.com or by subscribing on Spotify or iTunes. Our midday podcast program is brought to you by Devenny Motors. Howdy folks, this is Rick from Davini Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hard-working, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.